This morning I ask, um, ask uh, you to fill out a questionnaire. It's just uh, really one question. It was one question and we the question was this. Bible survey, what are the two greatest things you should do with God's word, the Bible? The two greatest things, a lot of things we can do with it. And uh, I read through all these. I have them all here. Uh, I ran out of red ink, all right? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, these were yeah wonderful answers, wonderful answers. And all these things that I'm reading are things that we should be doing with it. And I, I'm going to try to try to show you from the Word of God tonight what I believe in... And again, I think the Word of God is clear on it. What the two greatest things we should do with God's Word is. And I want you to take your Bibles, turn to the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra. Book of Ezra, 2 Chronicles, Ezra. Nehemiah is after Ezra. You know, as I've studied uh, some on the life of Ezra, I believe that Ezra is one of the greatest men in the in the Bible. I believe that one of the most thorough and complete when we talk about revival and if we're speaking of God's people, I think one of the most thorough and complete revivals that took place in the Bible is found in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. And I mean, they, they dealt with things and they dealt with them thoroughly and completely. And it was just amazing what God did. But we're not going to major on that tonight. That'd be another message. But, but, um, if I was to give a title to this message, I could give two of them. What are the two greatest things you should do with God's word, the word of God? Or what is the ultimate purpose of God's word in your life and the preparation needed to accomplish that purpose? Look with me at one verse, and this is where we're going to get our uh, points from this, uh, this evening. In Ezra chapter 7 and verse number 10, if you look at that very closely, we can divide it into four parts. The Bible says this. It says in Ezra 7.10, so I want to make sure you're there so you can follow along with us. Ezra 7.10, I'm waiting for the rustling to stop. Sounds good. Quiet. Great. Uh, Ezra 7.10, it says this, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Let me read that again. It says in Ezra 7.10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. So as we consider this, we're going to consider several several things. Number one, it says this, for Ezra had prepared his heart. Prepared his heart. So, So there's a preparation of the heart. And the first two things we're going to look at, I don't think are the two greatest things that we can do with the Bible, with the Word of God. But these are necessary to get to that point. 
And maybe, uh, maybe if I can just, uh, maybe I'll just explain it, uh, and then I'll uh, go through more in more in depth. But uh, so let me say this: the two things I think sometimes we think that are the end result of what we're doing is found in the first two uh, thoughts here. It says, for Ezra had prepared his heart, so there was a preparation of the heart to seek the law of the Lord. So there's a preparation of heart and there's a seeking of the law of God or the word of God. Those aren't the end results. You know, uh, for example... um, well, look at the two the two end results. I'll say what I believe according to this verse and other scriptures. I believe the two greatest things you can do is found after that. It says, and to do it, and to do it, to do the word of God. In other words, live it out in our lives. And to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. So to do it, to do the word of God, and to teach it. To do the word of God and to teach it. The others are necessary. There's a preparation of the heart. We'll look at that, how we can prepare our heart. And then there's a seeking of it, but that's not the end result. In other words, just as an example, um, you know, how many of you think it's important to read the Bible? Raise your hand. Every hand should go up. I mean, it's important to read the Word of God. It's important to read the Word of God. Do you think it's possible to read the Word of God and not let it have an impact upon our lives? Yeah. I think that's, you know, that's a possibility. You know, reading the Word of God, that's an important part, and we'll see where that fits in, but that's not the end result. That's not the end result. You know, that we mark off our three chapters a day or whatever it might be, and we say, I'm all set, I'm all done, good, you know, all right. No, that that's not the thing. That should be the stepping stone to doing it and teaching it. Uh, maybe give you an illustration uh, early here. Uh, let's see, I was, uh, Sean was my helper today, all right? And uh, he helped pass out some, um, some the Bible uh, survey thing there. All right, uh, now his mom's here, all right? So uh, let's say that, um, you know, I know Sean, he's probably a very uh, tidy guy, you know, keeps things in order. Um, let's see, what else did you want me to say about you, Sean? Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, you know, Sean, he, you know, he's, are, do you have a room by yourself or do you have your brother in the room with you? Or? Uh, you share. You share? Okay. Well, like I say, we had... Uh, seven boys, three girls, and for a time we lived in a 14 by 70 mobile home with one bathroom. So, you know, we did a lot of sharing there. But um, so, so let's say that um, you know um, uh, Christian, he's away somewhere for a few days. Maybe goes to Christian camp or goes wherever. And Sean's the only one there. So uh, Sean's mom says, Sean, I want you to go in and I want you to clean your room up. Once you get it all, you know, in great order, just, you know, somebody's coming over. Isn't that the way it works? Somebody's coming to visit, you know, you get everything cleaned up and in order there. But uh says, Sean, I want you to clean your room. And uh, Sean says, okay, Mom, sure, I, I, I got it. And an hour later, 
Sean's mom comes by and says, uh, Sean, did you clean your room yet? Uh, no, mom, I've been thinking about it uh, really hard, but uh, no, I haven't got it yet. You know, so she comes back an hour later. Mom, I'm going to get on it, you know. I'm really meditating on it, Mom. I'm really thinking hard about cleaning that room. And, you know, he could say that for the rest of that day and into the next day. And I don't think that would go over real well with Mom. I really don't. I mean, he's heard it. He's thought about it. He's meditated on it. He's might maybe even got up to the point where he got close to his room and then turned around and was distracted and went the other way. Does that help that room to be cleaned? As much as he thinks on it and as much as he meditates on it, as much as he hears about it? No. And you know, it's the same, very similar, I'd say, with the Word of God. Because... If you read where the blessing comes at, I mean, and I've, uh, it took me a year and three months, a little over three months, I think. And what I did is I had spiral notebooks, and I saw some verses in there, and what prompted me to do this was I saw verses where it says, do it. It talked about Noah. It says, do, 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 Noah, I want you to do this, and it says, and Noah did it. Do, 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 do. And Noah did it. You read James chapter uh, 5, I believe it is. Um, you know, look with me at that. Uh, hold your place there in Ezra. And I'm sort of getting off here. Hopefully I'm not going to be like uh, Paul when Eutychus fell out the window. But uh, look at James, I believe it's chapter, uh, let's see. Yeah. Um, two, yeah, I'm sorry, one, chapter one. Um, <coughs> start with verse 21, if you would. And I'm just trying to lay the foundation so you understand where we're go, where we're going to go to with our thoughts tonight. Verse 21, it says, "Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness." says, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. It says, but be doers of the word, doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God, and continueth therein, in other words, he's doing it, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So it talks there about being a doer of the word, not a hearer only. So, so, again, we said that the two greatest things you can do with God's Word is to do it and then to teach it. And we want to try to unfold that this evening. I would say, and again, I've preached for, I've been preaching now for 45 years, I guess, and been pastor. I pastored 28 and then evangelism now, 11 or 12. I'd say maybe five years ago when I 
when I started seeing a few verses, or more than several verses, where it says do it. The blessing is to do it. In Revelation chapter 1, I believe it is, it talks about he that, uh, uh, he that heareth and readeth and doeth. That's where the blessing is at, in doing it, in doing it. That's where the blessing comes at. And so what I did is I have spiral notebooks, just like, you know, that thick or so, 80 pages, whatever. And I went through the Word of God, and it took me a year and three months, and I wrote down every verse in the Bible that mentioned the Word of God. And I would sort of put a star by the ones that talked about doing it. And we're not talking about works for salvation. Although the first work, if and again, I don't, I don't want somebody to go out of here and say, hey, Brother Stover's a heretic, you know. The first thing that we must do that Christ commands us to do is to get saved, is to trust Him as Savior. That's the first command. You know, uh, you can hear the word all you want. We were, as last year at Bible College, we were at Heritage Baptist College and See, we're in Columbia, not far from here. Uh, at that point, it was in New Milford, Ohio. And uh, Russ Dennis was the, um, the dean or the, the president of the college, not the owner. The Lord was the owner. But, but I remember being in that church there, and I was only there a year, but they said that um, there's a man here, his wife's been saved. He's been coming to church 20 years now, and he's never trusted Christ until recently. Did all those sermons, would that have benefited him in going to heaven if he hadn't trusted Christ as Savior? He heard all those sermons. Now, the sermons brought him to that point, no doubt. But if he would have not been a doer of the Word and trust Christ as Savior, he'd have died and went to hell. I mean, so it's it's to be a, a, a doer of the Word of God. So I... Again, wrote down every verse in the Bible. It was interesting. I got to Jeremiah. That was probably the most painstaking book because it says there uh, the phrase, saith the Lord, or thus saith the Lord. It appears, it's the saith the Lord, which is, would be included in thus saith the Lord. I believe it was 327 times in the book of Jeremiah. And, you know, that word that God gave Jeremiah was just as valid as the Word of God we hold. In other words, when God says Jeremiah and Jeremiah said, saith the Lord or thus saith the Lord, that those words came to pass just as he said they would, just as we have our Bible here. And, you know, God, God, uh, and, and that sort of prompted my heart on these things. And then uh, this verse to get it and to study it over. So let's let's see if we can get into this and and afterwards, if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. But uh, let's uh, let the Lord help us here. Preparation or preparing for the ultimate purpose of God's word in your life. It says, "For Ezra had uh, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Uh, for Ezra had pre- yeah, prepared his heart to seek uh, the law of the Lord. So the preparation of the heart to seek God's word. How do I prepare my heart to seek the word of God?" You know, God does not want us to approach His Word, the Bible, in a casual or nonchalant way. Oh, I can take it or leave it. I mean, the Bible speaks of, uh, in Ezra's day, when they were reading the Word of God, it says they trembled. 
they trembled at the word of God when it was read. I mean, uh, that it, it just shook them. I mean, they were. I mean, it 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 spoke to them. I mean, there's other verses that speak about that, and uh, and so so when we approach the word of God, I mean, it should be with with certainly a reverence, but also this is God's book. This is God's word. You know, we shouldn't have to. Uh, over time, you know, from Sunday to Sunday, get the dust off of it. Man, if we if we understand the importance of this book, it's going to be it's going to be well used. It's going to be read. It's going to be studied. It's going to be memorized and meditated upon. But um, but we need to have the right approach toward the Word of God, and then. Uh, this we need to have a deep-seated mind and heart understanding that God's word is inspired. God's word is inspired. There's no other book like it. Second right. Timothy three sixteen and seventeen says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Second Peter one twenty and twenty one. Uh, for this, um, um, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You ever heard anybody say, oh yeah, that's, man wrote that book? No. Was, it says there, knowing this verse, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. It wasn't just some man thought, woke up, ate his chili that night and beans and got up and thought he was going to write something, you know. It says, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Psalm twelve six: the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. The Word of God is inspired. There's no other book like it in all the world. It's still the bestseller, praise God. And pray that it will continue to be so and even more so. But we see that uh, we need to have that deep-seated understanding that God's Word is inspired, that it is from God Almighty. Have a deep-seated mind and heart understanding of the power of God's Word. The power of it. We shared... The verses this morning, Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharp, and a two-edged sword, piercing even into dividing the sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Isaiah 55.11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. First Thessalonians 2.13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So we must have an understanding of the power of the word of God. Again, we're preparing ourselves. We're preparing ourselves for the word of God and allowing it to make a difference in our heart and life. We need to have a deep-seated mind and heart understanding that God's word gives me the only direction I need for life. Gives me the only direction I need for life. Psalm 119, 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We read again in Isaiah 48, 17 and 18, 
says this, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee in the way that thou shouldest go. After this next phrase is an exclamation point. God says, Oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Understand that it gives us the only book we need to give us direction. I'm not saying, you know, that if you have a um, go to work and you're at a computer, you know, say, okay, let me see, how am I going to learn this computer, you know? But, you know, there's manuals, but I'm saying for life, for life, the direction we need is found in the Word of God, and God will give us that direction. We need to, to prepare our hearts. We need to humble, humble my heart before God and cry out for God to prepare my heart to seek and receive His Word. James 4, 6, it says, but He giveth, 6 through 8, but He giveth more grace. Wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And purify your heart, ye double-minded, humbling ourselves before God Almighty. And then pray and allow the Holy Spirit to control you and guide you into all truth. Pray that and allow the Spirit of God to control you and guide you into all truth. And again, this is the preparation, the preparation of our heart. So it says in Ezra, it says, For Ezra had prepared his heart. And then it says... That's the first thing, the preparation of the heart. And again, all these can go together and all these, I think, can be working together at the same time. It's not like, you know, we have to wait five years until our heart's prepared and then we're going to seek the law of the Lord because they all mesh together. There's a wonderful dynamic there and they can all grow together. And so, you know, it's doing these things simultaneously, I guess you'd say. Um, so... How can I seek God's word? The next thing is, and to seek the law of the Lord. So there's a preparation of the heart. There's a seeking the law of the Lord or God's word. Well, seek uh, means this, to consult with, inquire of, seek with care, seek with application. So again, one of the things that was written on many of these was read your Bible. And that's a wonderful thing in seeking God's word. We need to read the word of God. Read the Word of God. That's what the Bible Transformations Explosion Program is first and foremost. You're reading it. You're reading it. You're reading the Word of God. And then there's a study of God's Word, a study of the Word of God. And so we need to spend time in, in, in studying it. I, I like to do word studies on uh, just different things. I'm working on something now that if you could couple tools for revival, pray for me, because um, these, I think, they'll really be a help and a blessing to God's people and and need help to get this accomplished. But but to study God's Word, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. And then... What you're doing here tonight? What are you What are you doing right now to um, to seek the Word of God? Yeah, you're listening to uh, to a lecture. 
at uh, Ohio State University, and let me tell no, you're listening to God's Word being preached and taught. That's one way to seek the Word of God, is to hear the Word of God preached and taught. So you're doing a wonderful thing tonight. You're seeking the Word of God. Uh, you know, in our society today, you can listen to a recording of God's Word. You know, you don't even need the old cassette tapes. I don't know if they ever put the Word of God in those big 8-track things or not, but... Maybe they did, but the cassette tapes and then the CDs. And now, you know, you can just hit your phone, I think, and just listen to the Word of God on your phone and, and, uh, and copy of it. So, so listening to the Word of God and then memorize God's Word. To seek the Word of God, you're memorizing it. You're, it'll, it'll help you to put it in your mind and into your heart. In Psalm 119.11, it says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And so there's a, the memorizing. And then what would you say, this word starts with an M2. What would be, after you memorize it, you need to do what with it? Well, it starts with an M. Well, memorize and then... Meditate. Yeah. Yeah. Memorize and then meditate on it. You know, meditate takes it to another level. You're thinking about it. You're, it's affecting you. You're thinking it's going to move you. It's going to transform you. It's going to make you uh, a new person in Jesus Christ. You know, Joshua 1 8 uh, says this. It says, This book of the Lord God was telling Joshua, it's just starting off. Just starting off. You know, just getting ready to go across into Jericho and, and or across the river and, and you taught on that this morning, didn't you, uh, Miss Terry? And uh, to the kids. And, you know, uh, God came to Joshua and he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Day and night. Say, oh, that's just a nice way to put it. I think God was serious, you know, day and night. I know when I'm able to memorize the Word of God and I'm laying in bed, I don't know about you, I was talking to pastor about his sleep. He says he, you know, doesn't usually take a nap, man. He hits a sack and he's like that little baby doll, you know, that you just lay down and the baby doll's eyes close, you know. That's the way he goes to sleep. Can you, is that true, Miss Terry? Oh, okay, you're even better, man. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to get some pointers from you guys because it doesn't work that way with me. But, um, you know, I'm, uh, you know, sometimes I'm laying there and saying, eh, do, 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 you know, and so a lot of times I'll just start going over scripture in my mind when I'm laying there and I'll just go over it and then lo and behold, you know, I'll maybe try to go through a set of 12 of them and I'll wake up in the morning and I'll think, man, where was I at? Number six or seven? And, you know, you just meditate on them. You, you think on them. And so uh, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Look at the reason and purpose that it's given. It says that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. That's the purpose. You know, Joshua, you can, you can, um, you can read it. You can... Um, memorize it, you can meditate on it, but it's not going to do you any good unless you do it. That's the purpose of it. That's the goal of it, is to do it. To do the Word of God and make it a part 
of our lives. And so uh, he says uh, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So that one transitions into, so we said there's a preparation of the heart, there's a seeking of the Word of God, and then I believe one of the two things are the greatest things you can do with the Word of God. Now, you're not going to do these two things that we're going to look at unless you prepare your heart, unless you seek His Word. Those are necessary. It'd be like, um, you know, I don't know, I, I don't like... Maybe I should try to find another illustration. But I grew up in Cleveland. You know, Cleveland <clears throat> hadn't had a championship in sports for 50 years or longer, something like that. But uh, when LeBron James was with the Cavaliers, they finally won an NBA championship. And, you know, I, I sort of go back and forth with my son-in-law, Michael. He goes with Michael Jordan, you know, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. You know, I'm saying, well, I think it's LeBron James. Uh, in basketball, again, I don't care for his political stuff. I don't care what he, you know, that's, but, but, you know, would LeBron be able to score 30 points a night if he didn't prepare himself? You know, I've read things about him. He spends probably close to $2 million a year just on preparing himself. He has a hyperbaric chamber in his house. He has a personal chef. He eats the right food. He exercises. He out there, you know, sometimes four hours before game time, before the other guys get in there to shoot and shoot and shoot. And he's been at a long time. But he's preparing himself. So he wouldn't be able to play like that unless he prepared himself. And also, if he prepared himself, and then they would start the game and he would sit on the bench for every game, what good would that do? That's sometimes the way we are as, as Christians if we're not careful, if we're reading the Word, if we're doing all these things, but we don't do it. You know, we, we, that's, that's the goal, and that's a mind shift that I had in a great way probably five, six years ago and trying to understand that and then, again, trying to apply it. But, but we see that um, uh, to do it, to do it is so important. In Mark 3.35 it says, For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and mother. And again, salvation is the very first thing in God's will for my life and your life if we've never been saved. In John 6.40 it says, And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Uh, turn with me to... Um, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. This is the, the story of the wise man and the foolish man. And you can read it again in Luke chapter 6, but I don't think we're going to take time to go to both of those. They're similar, but there are little, little differences uh, in the preparation before it. But let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 24. And I want to ask you a question here. As we read this, I want you to look for two things that were the same between the wise man and foolish man and two things that were different between the wise man and foolish man. Two things the same and two things different. Matthew 7 and verse number 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, 
I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Verse 26, And every one that heareth these things of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So looking at those two men, what would you say that both of those men did that were the same or that came to them that was the same? Yeah, they both heard, didn't they? They both heard. They both heard. They were both in the service tonight. They heard the Word of God. They both heard it. What was the thing that was different between those two men? The wise man did it, and the unwise man did not do it. So they both heard it, but one did it and one did not do it. You say, is, that, is there that big of a difference between doing it and not doing it? The one house, I mean, it stood firm. The winds came, it was strong, it stood firm. The other house might have looked similar, but the rains came and washed it right down the river. Yeah, the, the blessing, you know, again, pick on Sean again. Uh, finally, you know, Sean goes and he cleans his room and tidies it all up. And his mom looks at it and says, man, well, you did a great job, Sean. Took you four days, but, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, so, but, you know, that's where the blessing is at. And again, that doesn't. If, if we have the mindset of that, in other words, when you're reading the Word of God, you're thinking, Lord, what do you want me to do here? How can I take that next step in my Christian walk? When you're coming to church and hearing the Word of God preached, well, is there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? I'm all good, you know. No, you're, you're coming to the house of God and you're thinking, Lord, speak to my heart tonight. Pastor Jameson's going to preach. And he's going to bring the word of God. Lord, show me what I can be doing more than what I'm doing now. How can I take that next step and be a doer of the word and not a hearer only? So we see the, the wise man and foolish man depict that. Um, I'm going to hasten along here. Um, the, um, you know, Christ is our perfect example Christ is our perfect example. In John fourteen thirty one, it says, But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. John fourteen thirty one. So even Christ himself showed his obedience and subservience, although he was God Almighty to the Heavenly Father, he says, I do. I do. You know, what if, what if Jesus... Would have came and, you know, in Luke 19.10 with Zacchaeus, he said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I believe it's Matthew 18.21. It says similar there. But what if Christ would have came and then he just decided, well, I'm not going to go to the cross. That's my purpose. I know that's what I need to do. What, what if he wouldn't have went to the cross? Oh, my. 
we'd be without hope. There'd be no help, no hope. But I'm thankful that he did it. He did it. And and uh, Christ is our perfect example. He He was quick in his obedience as well. You know, to obey is to obey right away. It's not something that we want to put off. And so it's important that we do that. And then then the second thing, not only to do it, but also to teach it, to teach the Word of God. And Ezra says that again, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. God wants us to teach his Word. And we can do that in different ways. I you know, we, we, I think we need to do it more than this, but it starts, I think, with our everyday walk. You know, have you ever heard somebody say, your actions speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying? So folks ought to see a consistency in our walk with Jesus Christ. They ought to see some a difference, and that gives us the platform, if you would, that we can speak audibly in a greater way and in a more effective way if they see us walking with Christ, if I'm going into Joe's Corner Bar and, you know, and I'm coming out and I'm going and doing sinful things and I start, you know, preaching Christ to people, starts with an H, but what are they going to call me? Hypocrite. Yeah, hypocrite. So we need a, we need a life that is a consistent walk, but but uh, to teach it, you know, the, the command to teach uh, is important. Matthew twenty eight eighteen, we read it this morning, and Jesus came unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And then he goes down to verse 20, he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So to teach, you know, the source of our teaching, anybody tell me what the source of our teaching is? Yeah, Amen. Got it right here. This is a source. This is a source. You know, I... Folks have gone around, they visited churches. I talked with a gentleman maybe a week or maybe it was last week. Visited Carrollton Baptist Temple. He said, yeah, I've, I've been visiting around the churches here, and you know, I can't even hardly find a place where they're open the Bible. Sad. Sad. I mean, this is it. I mean, you know, if, if you're coming for man's opinion, you might as well just stay home or you might as well just get your own opinion or start your own lecture somewhere, but it's the Word of God. It's God's Word that we're looking at. And that's what, that's what I want to make sure it's, it's, it's all about the Word of God. So the, the strength of our teaching, or where am I at? The, the source of our teaching is God's Word. The strength of our teaching is the Holy Spirit teaching you and teaching others through you. The Holy Spirit of God. Jesus says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Uh, you know, the, the strength of our teaching is the Holy Spirit. The strength of our teaching is also others teaching you the Word of God. Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And then there's a need to be prepared to teach God's Word. Be prepared. 
Hebrews 5.12 says, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, or just the basic things, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So, so it's important that we be prepared to teach God's Word. You know, God can use you. God can use you. You say, well, God hasn't called me to preach, and that's fine. That's fine. God hasn't called me, you know, maybe to do something, but He can use you to teach His Word. He can use you. Your life, first off, is going to speak loudly, and then you'll have the opportunity to share the Word of God with others. You know, we need to teach powerfully. God's Word is powerful. Teach practically. Apply God's Word to practical, everyday life. Titus 2, 3, and 4 talk about the aged women teaching the younger and, and so some practical things there that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, love their children. Teach personally. You know, you can use your personal experiences to teach others that are based upon the Word of God. So, so there's the doing part and the teaching part. And just to, um, just to put that in your mind and say, okay, I'm going to do it, there's more of a dynamic than that. The Spirit of God is going to have to help you and I. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. Matter of fact, it's us humbling ourselves and, God, I need your help. I need your strength, Lord. I mean, have you ever asked God to forgive you of something? And then ask God to forgive you of something? Same thing. Ask God to forgive you of something? And that be God's help that's working in our hearts and lives. It's His help and strength. And He wants to, He wants to, He wants us to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And as I mentioned earlier this morning, it's that taking that next step. You know, God doesn't expect us, you know, all of a sudden to take a leap and we're on top of the Empire State Building, you know. Take that next step. What is it in your life? What is it in your life that the Spirit of God has spoken to you about? We're talking about personal revival, being personally revived. What is it in your life? The Spirit of God wants to help you with that. God wants to help you with that. The Word of God can help you with that. There must be that preparation. There must be that seeking. And then to do it and to teach it. Let's bow our heads if we would, please.